Well, welcome. Uh, this is a time that uh, we're going to honor Doris Wilson and um, honor the Lord. And we're very thankful that uh, you are here, and we're very thankful that she's in heaven. Uh, so uh, what we will do is um, Jason is going to uh, honor her with the eulogy, um, and then uh, Will is going to speak and turn our eyes to the Lord. Um, but let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your faithfulness in our lives. We're thankful that you are always good, and all that you accomplish is for your great glory. And we're thankful for Doris Wilson. We're thankful for the blessings, uh, the many blessings that she was to all of us. And uh, we love her. We desire to honor her today. But especially we desire to honor and glorify your holy name. We're thankful that she is with you. We're thankful for the, the, the blessing of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And we're thankful that uh, one day we shall all be together again. We have a great hope. So bless this uh, meeting. Be with Jason. Be with Will. And uh, guide them and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome again. Let's turn together in the additional hymn books that should be in the seat back in front of you to hymn number additional hymn 55, A55, and we'll sing together. And after we conclude singing, uh, Jason Matthews will come uh, to give the eulogy. And so we'll remain seated as we sing.
Well, my name is Jason Matthews. I'm the oldest of the Weirson grandkids, and it's an honor to be here to to honor Grandma. Thank you on behalf of the family for for coming out today. I know that it was probably tricky for many of you um, with just the ice and the the weather that we're dealing with. So we we're greatly appreciative of the time that you took to be here with us today. I want to start just by reading um, some words that Uncle Jim prepared to give us a little uh, bit of a window into Doris's life. Doris Faye Harrell was born April 23, 1934, in a small town outside Shreveport, Louisiana. When she was still very young, her family moved to the Portland, Oregon area, where in 1951 she graduated from Girls Polytechnic High School at 17 years old. She went on to secretary school and had several jobs in downtown Portland working as a secretary. It was at a produce packing plant that she first noticed uh, she was first noticed by Jim, and they were married April 13, 1957, making 2023 their 66th wedding anniversary. Together, they raised Deborah, Stephanie, Jim, and Clark. The home was open and welcomed many other foster children over the years, including Sherry, who essentially became a daughter. Doris's time and energy was not spent on friends and hobbies, but rather on the people she loved as she worked to make an inviting home, her husband, children, foster children, church family, and guests. As the family grew older, Doris did finally have time to pay attention to more than just her husband and children, and she enjoyed playing tennis, even traveling to tennis camps. If you ever had the chance to compete with her in anything, you likely found her to be a fierce competitor even to resort to light, good-natured trash talk on the court. I can attest to that. <laughs> Doris was called to glory on December 14, 2023, and is survived by her husband of over 66 years, um, Jim. Five children, 13 grandchildren, and 19 great-grandchildren. I would like to just share a few things that I remember about my grandma. And I thought, I thought I'd start with just a brief story. It wasn't that long ago, just a matter of weeks, that we were, uh, we'd put up our Christmas tree. We hadn't decorated yet because all our kids are, are grown and out of the house, and we wanted at least one of them to be home. So we waited till this particular day when our son Alex um, was home from college to decorate the tree. And whenever we decorate the tree, a lot of memories come flowing out of the attic because every year at Christmas time. Grandma Wearson would always attach some kind of an ornament to our gift. And I have those, every single one of them, from all the years when I was younger. So we're unpacking the, the boxes, and I'm looking at these ornaments, and I'm remembering specifically these ornaments that Grandma uh, gave me over the years. And the phone rings, and it's my dad. And he says, Jason, Grandma just passed away. And it was a it was a sad moment, but at the same time, it was a sweet moment knowing that at that same time that my grandma died, I was hand handling those ornaments. I was putting them on the tree. I was remembering her and her life and what a sweet gift that God gave me in that moment for it to happen. So I remember her um, and, and the gifts that she had given me over the years. I'm sure that you other grandkids and great can, grandkids can remember uh, some of those things as well. I remember Grandma's joy in the Lord. 
I remember her joy when she would sing Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. She would sing that often. I remember her joy when we'd play tennis together on the courts up on Mount Tabor. And I do remember some of that trash talk. I remember her joy when we we spun on the ice and we did a full 360 on the way to Tuesday Bible study one morning. And this weather we're having is, is another reminder of that moment because as we're kind of, you know, doing our little dance in the road, she's got this smile on her face like, yeah, we got this. That was grandma. For grandma, the joy of the Lord was her strength. And I believe that she lived her life knowing and believing King David's words in Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5, where he wrote this. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I also remember Grandma's hospitality. So many Christmases, meeting old family friends, newspaper delivery people, and even total strangers, because Grandma opened up her home to them, even on Christmas. You know, I think she really, she lived her life like she really did believe that just, she just might be entertaining angels, as it says in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. I'll just read that for us. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I'd like to think that my grandma lived that way. As her family We all experienced her hospitality as most, if not all of her kids and grandkids, lived with her and grandpa for periods of time over the years. Most of my personal memories are living with them in the Laddington and Belmont houses. And I'm thankful for grandma's and grandpa's hospitality. The last thing I want to share about grandma is that I remember her faithfulness to the Lord. It wasn't that many weeks ago that Andrea and I had the opportunity to FaceTime with Grandma, and we read these words to her from Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Grandma lived her life believing that the Lord was her refuge. And she told many people about his works. For those of us on this side of eternity, we understand and we grieve knowing that grandma's flesh and heart failed. But the truth is, she is now experiencing God as her strength and her portion forever. And if she could speak to us today, I think she'd say or maybe even sing, for me, 
It is good to be near God. Thank you. Let's turn together in the blue hymnals to hymn number 94. 94. And after we sing, Pastor Will will come with a message for this afternoon. So let's stand together and sing.
I'm Will Custis, and I'm um, Doris's pastor. And um, in thinking about Doris, um, one word among many others that's come to my mind is the word indelible. And I can tell just from your faces and everybody who's here is probably something you'd share um, as well um, when thinking of her. Um, as one of the kids who grew up at Hillcrest in Trinity, um, I, I always knew I had a real sense that Doris loved me. Mrs. Wearson, that's what I called her, not Doris. But uh, I had a real sense that she loved me um, and a sense that she expected me to follow the Lord. And I would disappoint her um, if I did not uh, do that. So I have a real sense of losing a, a friend um, and fellow traveler um, in Doris's death. But, of course, I'm going to see her again because we share the same um, living hope. So my purpose is not to reflect on Doris because I could do more, but actually to re- direct our attention to God's word. And so um, if you have a Bible... You can turn in scripture to Zephaniah. If you don't know where that is, it's, it's a short book of the Old Testament. It's towards the end. So turn to the New Testament and start turning back and you'll get to um, Zephaniah. But this scripture was um, a favorite of Doris and one that she um, um, read and took comfort in in difficult times. It was kind of an anchor. And so it's an anchor in a time of death. Um, too. So uh, Zephaniah, it's the, it's the concluding verses of Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I will gather those who grieve about the appointed feast. They come from you, O Zion. The reproach of exile is a burden on them. Behold, I am going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame, gather the outcasts, and I will turn their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in, even at that time when I gather you together. Indeed, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The most important thing that can be said about Doris Wilson is that she knew God. And that's really true of Doris, if you think about her. She knew God. Um, and maybe there's something even more important that could be said uh, about her, and that, that is that God knew her, that God set his love uh, on her, and that he made himself known to her from the day that he saved her all the way throughout her life until the day that uh, she died. So what, what I'd like to do is just give you three things that Doris knew to be true about God um, that are all found in this passage. And the first is that Doris Wilson knew God to be a God of unimaginable love, unimaginable love. And uh, this is a a book of the Old Testament, and it ends on a note of almost unimaginable joy as God's love for his special nation, Israel, is shown at the end. It's been hidden throughout history, and at the end it's uh, shown, and it's it's an almost unimaginable love. And that's the way in which it's... uh, Described uh, here, he will exult over you with joy. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy or singing, some translations put it, um, which is a great picture. But maybe the best part of it is this. He will be quiet in his love. And that's really expressive, isn't it? It makes you think of uh, maybe a bridegroom towards a bride, you know, or a father towards a son that he's proud of, you know, just quiet satisfied, resting uh, in his love. And that's the love that the Lord has towards uh, his special nation um, at the end. Even more amazing about this love that's found in the heart of God 
It's amazing just because it is undeserved. It's undeserved love. And it says that um, in this verse, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves, a warrior who saves. And so uh, God saves in order to love in this way. Saves from what? Well, it says um, in the verse earlier, well, I'll read it. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you, judgments that they deserved. And the Lord has taken them away. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You will fear disaster no more. And so these are judgments deserved. They're fences against a holy God. And yet the king of Israel, the warrior who saves, has taken those judgments out of the way so that he can love with this um, unimaginable love. The Weirson family's had opportunity to talk to a lot of people because of Doris's death. And uh, they've told me that one of the things they've been saying to people is, well, we know where she is. And that's a comfort. People can relate to that, of course. We know where she is. And then they say, but not because of anything she's done. Not because of anything she's done. And that creates a question um, in people's minds. Um, not because she was a good person. That's not why we know where she is. But because she knew a God of unimaginable love. A God of unimaginable love who loves the undeserving. And that's why we know where um, she is now that she's uh, in heaven. God, out of his unimaginable love, when Doris had nothing to commend herself to him, except that she was a rebel against him, sent his son to die on a cross for her to pay the penalty for her sins and to rise on the dead uh, from her behalf. And uh, the sign above the head of his son said, King of Israel, the King of the Jews, that's what it says here. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You will fear disaster no more. It's that King. It's the Lord Jesus Christ um, who is there. And so uh, Doris came to trust not in herself, not in her own deserving, is what happened when she was saved, um, but to trust only in Christ and to trust in him. And so it's not based on anything she's done. It was based on what Christ has done for her that we know uh, who know where she is. And so the same message is for you. For all of us, we're all going to die. We're all going to face death um, at some point. If you think you've made peace with God by somehow deserving, uh, let me say a few things to you quickly. One is you don't know God. You don't know God. Uh, the Bible says that God hides himself from the wise. who are wise in just that way. They think they deserve his love. So he can reveal himself to the foolish through a foolish message, the message of the cross of uh, Christ. Uh, a second thing is if you think you are at peace with God by deserving, somehow deserving. You can't even begin to imagine a God of this kind of love, a God of this unimaginable love, a God of love for the undeserving that's in this passage, the God who Doris knew and who knew her uh, as well. And then the third thing is just that you need to trust in Christ today. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So Doris knew God to be a God of unimaginable love. That's the God that she knew. And I think because of that, she was able to give that same kind of love to others, easily opening her heart and easily opening her home um, to others. That's kind of the testimony that Doris leaves behind. It's that kind of love. It's an unimaginable love. So people come to church. 
They're alone, uh, meet a few people, and they're invited to the Wearsons for Thanksgiving, you know, or this sort of thing. This, that's the typical uh, for, um, for Doris. Because Doris knew God to be a God of unimaginable love, um, she was able, I think, to have a strong sense of submission to his will. And that's something I think about with Doris. In fact, that hymn that we just sang is, is uh, about that. Whatever my God ordains is right. And I think Doris had a very strong sense of God's will because she knew him. Because she knew him to be her father um, in Christ. Uh, but maybe even, even more important uh, about Doris is when her faith faltered. Um, when there were situations where she didn't grasp the, the love of God, didn't grasp the way to reflect it, failed to carry it out. God's unimaginable love for her never changed. It's the same because it was given to her in Christ. And so that's true at the hour of, uh, of her death um, as well. That love never changed. It's the same uh, mentioned Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, verse 18, which says uh, it's a prayer that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge, that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God. And it's the love of Christ for us. So Doris Wearson knew God to be a God of unimaginable love. She knew God to be a God of resurrection, a God of resurrection. That's the second thing uh, that she knew about God. And that's reflected in this passage because it's really the story of a, a nation that um, dies and then is resurrected. At uh, the end, that's what uh, the prophet is uh, foreseeing. And, and the nation dies in such a way that all the things that cause the nation to die, all the suffering, uh, are not wasted, but work to give it life from the dead. And so at the end, it said, the Lord says to the nation, I'm going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame. I will gather the outcast. I will turn their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. And I'll bring you in at that time and gather you in and restore your fortunes uh, before your eyes. That's what a God of resurrection would uh, say. And so it's true also of Doris, all the difficulties, the sorrows, the heartache were part of her life, just as much as any other um, were not wasted out of God's unimaginable love. He used all those things to bring about life uh, for her, to bring about resurrection life uh, as well. Uh, the Lord that she knew turns darkness into light because that's where he met her. Not in, not in the light, a place where she uh, brought herself forward uh, to God, but in the darkness where he showed himself to be a savior of sinners. And that's where he showed her his unimaginable love. And it's also including in the darkness of her uh, death uh, as well. Uh, the Lord showed himself to be a God of resurrection. So when Doris died about two weeks ago, she immediately opened her eyes in the presence of her Savior. And the sorrow and pain that she had experienced in life were over, never to be experienced again, because the scripture says for a Christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that's not all for the Christian. There's another hope uh, as well. It's, it's, it's a Christian hope, and it's a hope for the body that was buried in the ground, that just as Christ's body was risen from the dead, so the Christian 
uh, will also be risen from the dead. And that's at the return of Christ. The trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and we will all be caught up uh, to meet the Lord in uh, the air. And so her spirit, which is with the Lord now, rejoicing in the Lord now, is going to be reunited with her body, changed in a twinkling of an eye, uh, in a moment to live forever as Doris, as with her body resurrected, to live uh, forever for all uh, of eternity. So you might say, well, it would be enough just that she died and left her body behind and she's in heaven and we're rejoicing, but that's not enough for God because he's the God of resurrection. And that includes even the body. The hope of the resurrection is not an add-on to the Christian faith, but it's at the heart of it because resurrection is hidden in the heart of God. He not only brings life out of nothing, that's what he did when he created, but he brings life out of death. And that's what he does when he's saved. And that's what he does for Doris. And she knew him to be a God of resurrection. It's true at the end. It's true for the special Christian hope. And it's true of the way uh, in which uh, he takes all the things in life that cause death and cause them to work life in a mysterious way for the Christian. And then finally, Doris Wearson knew God to be a God of his word, a God of his word. And that's found at the very end of this uh, passage talks about the Lord, um, what he's going to say to his people when he restores their fortune before their eyes, says the Lord, says the Lord. And uh, the Lord told them this before it happened. In fact, it hasn't happened yet. Um, He told it so they would believe it before it came. So they would walk by faith and not by uh, sight. He told them of his unimaginable love before it was made manifest, uh, before the eyes of all as the Lord uh, restored their uh, fortune. So God makes himself known as a God who keeps his word. That's the way in which he wants to be known. In fact, that's the only way that he wants to be known is as a God who keeps his word. He makes himself known through his word by telling something and it's thus says the Lord because it's in uh, scripture. And so when God made himself known to Doris, she was a young uh, married woman. She was living in the Laurelhurst neighborhood of Portland and her neighbor led her to the Lord. Uh, her name was Shirley Walker, a lady that I don't know. I don't know if she's here or, um, but uh, led her to uh, the Lord um, at that point. I think uh, Jim was saved shortly after um, that. Um, they took her the lady took her to their church, which was Central Bible Church, where Doris learned more of God's word. And uh, later they came to Trinity Bible Church, where um, Jim served as an elder for over 40 years, still serving as an elder. Um, and uh, Doris at Trinity Bible Church learned more of the word of God, learned to cling to the word of God, learned to trust in the word of God, uh, learned to walk by faith. Uh, built her life around the word of God, ministered to the word of God, ministered the word of God to others and walked by faith, not by sight. So she walked by faith, not by sight. In other words, it was not always obvious to the eye to sight that God had this kind of love uh, for her, uh, that he was working all things together for her good. And yet at the moment she died, it was vindicated to her. Everything she believed about God was true as she saw her Savior's face um, at that moment. Um, At the moment of the resurrection of her body, which we're waiting for together um, as Christians, it'll be manifested not just to her, but in the eyes of all, just as it says um, in this passage, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. So as as, uh, Doris walked through the journey of life, um, the Lord was waiting to show her his love. He was working 
uh, to, like, like for the nation of Israel to, to gather the outcasts at the end, to turn shame into praise and renown uh, in all the earth. And Doris has experienced that by sight now herself, and she'll experience it um, by sight manifest to all um, when she receives her full inheritance with us and even the resurrection of the body. And it's all because of God's unimaginable love. Well, the testimony of Doris's life is a, it's a gospel testimony. And so it's a testimony I want to give to you. I know she would want me, uh, to give it to you, um, as well. You also will die just as Doris did. Our bodies don't last forever. Uh, and there's a message in that. The message is you are a sinner. There's something terribly wrong between you and a righteous God who punishes every sin. Not, not only the things that you've done at your worst moments that you're not proud of, but the things that you've done that you think are the best about yourself. The Bible says even our righteousnesses are filthy rags before him. And so you need a God of unimaginable love. You need to know him and for him to know you. You need a God of resurrection. And it's found in God's word because he's a God who keeps his word. And so his word um, is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have everlasting life. And so you need forgiveness. You need to be made new. Uh, you need to, God to love you with unimaginable love and have eternal life as a free gift and the gift of resurrection. And so let me leave you with the words of scripture. And it's true because it's the Lord himself who says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life of Doris Worson. We thank you for giving her life giving her each breath uh, of life. We thank you for guiding her each step of the way, guiding her to uh, her husband, guiding her to her family, to her friends, the people, to the church. Um, we thank you for guiding her to someone who told her about Christ. And through that, the Holy Spirit called her to a different kind of life than she had before, a, a life of knowing you, knowing your unimaginable love for her. And we thank you that you're a God of resurrection. And so even in death, we hope uh, not only that Doris is with you, alive and well and rejoicing, but uh, that there's a hope for the body as well and a total victory over sin and Satan and over death uh, itself. And it's this that we await and rejoice in with her. We wait for the day when we will see her again. We know it could be any moment that Christ might return uh, at any moment. We await that day. We pray that you'd comfort the Wearson family uh, with the comfort that comes from Christ. And we pray in the time that they need it the most that your Holy Spirit would uh, be with them with a word or with um, a kind word of a friend um, to uh, comfort them with the comfort that's found in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we conclude this afternoon, let's turn together to hymn number 580, 580. And after we conclude this hymn, we do invite you all to stay for a time of fellowship and refreshments over on the east side of the sanctuary. So let's sing 580 and we'll stand together as we sing.